You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're pleased to announce that this season, the Spurs show is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Spurs fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter whether you're based in Tottenham or Tyneside. You can catch every single minute of the action. Keep an eye out during the season for events, offers, content and competitions that put you closer to the action. If you can't get down this weekend, never fear, Spurs aren't playing. It's the international break. This weekend, why not go to the pub and check out one of the European qualifiers or even the Rugby World Cup? In the next best place, a Green King pub. Spurs Show. I'm Mike Lee. If you're one of our new listeners, we're the longest-running Tottenham podcast now in our 17th season. We tend to invite writers of the beautiful game onto the show, along with showbiz fans, many ex-players, and many long-suffering fans who follow the team home and away for yonks, so we can give a bit of historical context to the ups and downs of supporting our beloved Lily Whites. Well, what a roller coaster start to the season it's been. We've sold our greatest ever goal scorer. We have some of our highest paid players in limbo at the club, unable to be sold, including our long-serving goalkeeper and captain. We don't have a director of football, and the guy to oversee that position still hasn't started his job. There's been recent fan protests over hiking and matchday tickets and anger with how the footballing side of the business is run. But in saying that, there's been many new additions to our beloved team, including a brand new coach and what fun we've seen so far. Unbeaten in the league, scintillating front foot football, a smile again on players' faces. But another limp exit for the domestic cups. We've so much to cover tonight. Our 5-2 win at Burnley, our League Cup exit, the transfer window with the purchase of another exciting attacking player, many of the old guard not moved on, and a brand new book that launches today. Still dreaming another year in the life of a Premier League club. Written by former co-chair of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust and author of countless 
Spurs Brooks, Martin Cloak, an eminent author and spiritual godfather of the Premier League, Alex Finn. And they're both here today. Good evening, gentlemen. Evening. Well, that was an intro. That's huh? an intro. Come on. I thought I'd make the effort. <laughs> it's all downhill 17... from here now, Mike. I'm getting bored of my own voice. 17 seasons of this. I thought, you know, I've got to change things up slightly. You know, uh, so there we go. Martin, lovely to see you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I was up at, uh, up at Burnley at the weekend, so 10 hours on the road, but um, it, was, uh, it was a fantastic performance and uh, a great support as well. Uh, a no-perfect rendition of Can't Smile Without You, uh, which lovely. was about three or four minutes uh, in the away end, so always good to see. Fantastic. And Alex, how are you? I'm fine for the moment, but I had a bad year. Um, oh, oh, did you? Well, health-wise, but Martin oh. helped me through it because uh, the stimulus of doing the book was a great incentive to see the year through. Oh, good. Are you on the men now? I'm on the men now. You're looking <laughs> well. <laughs> Thanks very much. You are. You're looking oh, very, very well. It's always <laughs> lovely to see you, Alex. Always lovely to have you on the show to get uh, your experience. And we will talk about, when we talk about the book, we'll talk about, because I remember, the, I, I remember the kind of... One could argue slight sister book, Dream On, for many years ago. I know this is a follow-up, so we'll certainly talk about that as well. But let's kick off. Uh, Martin's already discussed it there. Uh, we went to Burnley. Uh, always a bit of a banana skin of a game for Tottenham. But this is a very, very different Tottenham. And uh, despite going down early on, we came back well. Some fantastic football and uh, certainly in the league, uh, I don't think any Spurs fans thought that this new coach would get a tune out of them uh, just right, just just, just now. Obviously, a lot of clubs this guy's been at, he admits it takes a while uh, for players to understand what he wants. And he says he, can't en- he enjoys that process. But our lot seem to have got it pretty quickly. Martin, you, like me, have, so uh, <laughs> in the last few years, have had to watch some absolute abject football. Um, what's your feelings on, on what you've seen so far this season? Yeah, I, I think the nicest thing is that there's a there's a feeling of connection again. Uh, you know, we haven't really enjoyed watching the football for most of the last couple of years, and you, you just got the impression that people were just going through the motions. I think I remember seeing Alistair Gold on Twitter saying um, it's quite nice not to be reporting on the game and just praying for the final whistle to go. Uh, that was it. <laughs> I, I think what was encouraging about Saturday is that, that we really didn't start off well, and and their goal was uh, their, that that winger of theirs uh, was it Olashay was really taking our uh, our back line apart, and so you know especially after the Fulham game is this is this here we go again was it a full storm but they dug in and they showed a bit of character and some of the football we played was absolutely fantastic to watch I mean that you know the move for the fifth goal especially I think everybody's just been watching that on on permanent repeat what a pass what a but, pass of power that was wasn't it it was just fantastic. And, and I think that and people are just, you know, in the end, with, with all of the arguments and the stuff that, you know, we'll talk about maybe later and, uh, you know, in terms of looking at the book and the sort of the views about the club, people just want to enjoy their afternoon out watching a team they support and they want they want to get a bit of entertainment. Um, it's really that simple. So that, that that was just really nice. And I said it was a great atmosphere up there. Um, it's, it's a nice ground anyway. They managed to get some sun at the cricket club before the game. And then um, mm-hmm. seeing that performance and seeing that we did away to respond. And I think one of the, the, the questions about Poster Cogley was that is there just one way he's got of playing? But, you know, there seems to be a plan B. There seems to be the way to fix things out. Um, there's a long way to go yet as well, but 
it's been interesting over the first few games. Fulham was a terrible disappointment, and we'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But yeah. you know, the, the 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 form was against Manchester United, who've got problems of their own. That was still mm-hmm. a great a great afternoon at the stadium. Um, and uh, so you know, the, the game against Burnley it was, was fantastic football, proper Spurs. It was Alex. If, if... Have our Spurs fans sort of set the bar so low because of what we've had to endure the last couple of years that we're just delighted to see the ball being passed forward at pace, uh, players interchanging, good movement. It kind of, uh, there's, for the older listener, there's kind of echoes of the push and run there and the double team, just in the exciting way we're playing football at the moment. Yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, I'm a very nervous Spurs supporter. Um, I'm the sort that... uh, We'll switch off the television. Uh, I won't often go to, certainly won't go to away games. Won't often go simply because I'm too nervous because I want them to win so much. And I'd rather they lost 3-2 and tried than uh, we saw the sort of stodgy stuff of last year. Last year was a supreme disappointment, particularly because both of us, Martin and myself, thought that um, good things were going to be in sight and that... um, you know, Conte was the answer. Unfortunately, what it worked out is that um, he doesn't have a men- winning mentality. He has a winning method, which has passed its sell-by date. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll come on to that a little more later. Yeah, so, we, we, we but, certainly will. We certainly will, because your book's fascinating. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in more, more detail. Um, what was interesting, Martin, at the weekend, I mean, I, I think there was alluded that Richarlison... Uh, had a slight knock. Uh, some went play down the middle again, and obviously scored a hat trick. Um, and and these players that uh, again you can go back to Conte, they're players like the sort of the presumers of this world who absolutely didn't get a look in. And we all knew the the thing with 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 most f- football fans, and I say a lot of Tottenham fans as well. We 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 you know I know a lot of ex players might disagree. We we are def- we, we know. We've watched so many bloody games of football. We do get it. We 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 know a good player when we see one. We 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 know a player that's not trying when we see one. And we all knew because when he played us against Brighton, we all knew this Basuma was great. And we kind of were mystified that it just didn't happen for him. And then you look at Son last season. Admittedly, Son admitted he had an injury and and which got sorted the summer. But to see him again with a smile on the face and playing in dangerous areas. And I mean, football is a simple game, isn't it, Martin? It looks like we're kind of playing in in a simple but effective way now. Yeah, and I I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, I think, you know, Andy's Andy's kind of thing, his stick, isn't it, is that I'm just a straight-looking player and let's let's not overcomplicate things. And and I'm sure there is much more to that than that. He's obviously a very bright coach and you talk to, to people that, that have kind of supported clubs where he's been before. Uh, and we, we know we, we tend to dismiss in this country, don't we? People that have kind of got a bit of experience outside. <laughs> and I remember talking to Steve Perryman years ago about when he was managing in Japan and he said that nobody really takes any notes of it. And they're, they're silly because there's, there's a lot being done there. Um, but I mean, look, Bissouma is a, a, a great example. that he, he was pretty much frozen out by Conte. And I always got the impression that, you know, maybe Conte was making a bit of a point because he wasn't his signing. Uh, you know, is that just too petty? But things like this do, you hear about this years later, don't you, in the game as well? Um, you know, Conte, uh, Basuma and, and Madison have given us what we haven't had for a couple of seasons, which is some creative players. Uh, and we, we didn't really have that before. And I mean, I kept remembering in the infamous Amazon documentary, there's that stage when like, um, Deli Ali comes off the pitch under 
Mourinho and just says like, you know, kind of kicks a bench and says like, just, you know, stick it over the top and run forward. You know, what's all that about? And and we just had these like awful tactics, which didn't seem to make the most of the players that we had. Yeah. Uh, but also we didn't, we didn't have a system that allowed for that creativity. And, and you, you need to have that, especially in today's game. And you, you yeah. see the difference that, that, that Basuma makes in Madison, but also with mm. as well. The way he yes. uses him is almost like yeah. a number eight where he kind of inverts him. And the way, you know, they all take players on. They all try and look for things, diagonal balls going forward, all these things that we'd forgotten existed. <laughs> exactly. Um, Alex, you know, funny, James Madison is, I mean, he's such a Tottenham-style player, isn't he? I remember when he, uh, before he went to Leicester, I think it was at Norwich, and, and so many players you know are great could be great Tottenham players Madison was one Ezzy at Palace was another one Jared Bowen uh, when he was at Hull was another one you went oh I can see him at Tottenham you know in recent years we haven't gone for a lot of the kind of young promising English players uh, we probably could have got Madison much cheaper then but he has come in he's hit the ground running he is everything we, we we've wanted in, in a creative midfielder for quite some time isn't he yeah I think he is exceptional compared to the other players you mentioned in that list. Um, I'm much older than everybody on this podcast, so I can remember a player like Alfie Conn. And before Alfie Conn... Trust me, me and Martin can remember him as well. Okay, well <laughs> we I, both just had a lot of work done. Yeah, but I don't think I don't think you actually saw Tommy Harmer. So well, these mercurial players were made for Tottenham. Madison is a contemporary version of both of those. So he's got their skill, but he's also got extra tenacity, perseverance, which you have to have in a modern-day player. He's made for Tottenham. Yeah, his work rate is incredible, isn't it, Alex? It's, it's not just no. what he can do on the ball. He's working so hard. Yes, that's what the, the, the previous mercurial players, even Hoddle, never worked as hard, never had to, because the teams some of those teams were built around them certainly the Tottenham managers who were gifted enough to have Hoddle recognize what they had and built a team around them Madison looks like he's the fulcrum of this team it won't be built around him but he will be an essential pivot of the team and um the best signing that Tottenham have made for years. Yeah, I totally agree. Martin, it wouldn't be a Spurs show. We wouldn't be Spurs fans if we didn't have a bit of a moan. The frustration also was, uh, in the week, this sort of limp, another limp uh, exit from a domestic cup. We always knew Fulham was a tough game. He he changed the previous team, nine changes. And but even, I mean, the, both halves were awful. The first half particularly was, was shocking. And it's such a frustration... Um, I, I mean, it's the first time so far Apostle Cruz has come out. I think he said along the lines of, you know, we're tired. I'm thinking, it's been three games tired. What are you doing in training? Fans again, so, rightly so, so frustrated that uh, always the best chance of, of, of silverware has gone uh, in, that, in that way. Did, were you kind of mystified by the performance and the selection? Yeah, I, I think we're all kind of hoping because we've seen this with, with the cup competitions before and even back under Pochettino, it was fairly clear that they, they didn't really rate the domestic cups. But uh, I'm going to do the kind of classic armchair manager thing here. But, but you know, and thank God I'm not genuinely in charge of anything. But I, I've never understood this idea that you can make as many as nine changes and learn anything from it. If you bring three or four players into an established unit, then maybe you're going to find out something about them and those players will gain as well. But I think, you know, it's the, the cliche, it's a team game. It's about the unit. 
if you break the unit up, you've just got this desperate collection of individuals. And I know they train together and I know that there is a shared philosophy and all the rest of it, but until you've got that that regular experience. So I, I don't understand. I've never understood this idea that you make that many changes because I don't understand what you learn from it and I don't understand how you develop players. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Ange Postacoglu is far more qualified than me to make a decision. But I, I was quite, I think along with a lot of other people, I, I was quite disappointed uh, at that lineup. But because again, as you say, you know, could we win the FA Cup? Well, you know, let, let's be optimistic and say yes, we could, but that's going to be a tougher challenge than than the League Cup. Could we win the Premier Division? I think that might be a bit of a stretch this year. So, you know, but let, let's hope that I, I look stupid at the end of the season and we yeah. <laughs> we upset the odds. You were yeah. right. That was the best chance that we had uh, of some silverware and also the best chance to to develop what is what is a new team as well. So I didn't really understand you know the thinking behind that mm. that lineup, especially against a decent Premier League side as well, which is what yeah. are now. You know, the days when you can say, oh well, it's just full and we're going to beat them, uh, have long since gone, and it's insulting to think otherwise. Yeah, Alex, it, it was interesting because Postacoglu afterwards sort of said to the press, "Look, I've got no Europe. When else am I got a t- chance to see other players playing uh, a competitive game?" A lot of fans would say, "Trust us, we know these players." They're not good enough. We've seen this under Mourinho, under Conte. These are players that coast, don't get involved. It's it's it, uh, the, the big argument with fans for, for, for a few years is our second string is not good enough. There's no strength in depth. Take the uh, first 11 out and it's pretty average. Would, would you agree with that assessment? I agree with you. I think the maximum changes he could have made was maybe half a dozen, no more than that. Also, I, I think that... Um, I think the chairman has some role in this. Um, I might be putting words in his mouth, but if Irving Scholar was the chairman, he would have said to the um, to the manager, the coach, he would have said, I'm not telling you who to pick. I'm just telling you how important this trophy is to us. And I suspect that the chairman has never said that, certainly didn't say it at Sheffield, and certainly hasn't said it for this particular game. And I think that um, the chairman should be more active in terms of showing managers and coaches how important the history and tradition of the club are. And he, I don't think he does that. I mean, there's always been, I mean, again, under Conte, we'll talk about Conte uh, a little bit later. There's always times when players are rested for the next game and the next game you lose and you go, why are they rested? A lot of fans, especially the bloody fans that pay up a lot of money to go into these games, surely the argument is start with your best team Get a couple of goal lead and then start resting players in, in time for the weekend. Anyway, we can we can go round and round and circus on this. The other thing I want to talk about before we go to the break, and then uh, we're going to talk about the really, really interesting new book, Still Dreaming, is the transfer window. Martin, it's been, it's felt like a long transfer window because it's a summer one, it takes a long time. We got a lot of business done early. We then had this extraordinary gap again. It felt like we weren't going to do any other business again. There was talk after Van der Ven. We'll definitely get another centre-back in, another centre-back in. The whole Kane thing happened, which uh, well, all, I think all fans were very disappointed to see him go in that manner uh, to to that club with a, with a year left on his contract. But that's that's happened now. The strange situation with key players like Dyer and Lloris uh, being offered to clubs, deciding to stay at the club which is they want them under contract. Um, one player came in, another sort of attacking player across the, the front three, Brennan Johnson, uh, a very good friend of mine, Nick Whitehurst, who follows Knott's Forest home and away, 
he said about Johnson, he's a great prospect, calm and collected in front of goal. He works very hard for the team. Amazing composure for his pace. Not like a Dan James who can't compute his brain at the same speed that his legs move. He'll bring goals and assist the Spurs. For me, for me, he needs to work on his movement off the ball and make some more intelligent runs to help the midfield, but that could easily come. He'll be sorely missed at the city ground and he pretty much got us promoted single-handedly. That's uh, quite an accolade, isn't it, Martin? It is. And, and uh, you know, I think like you, I've spoken to people who have watched Brennan Johnson regularly and they've got nothing but praise for him as well. Um, I, I don't quite understand where he fits in. Um, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't look as if we're going to go back with a kind of traditional centre forward. And, and I can see the logic behind that. It, it presumably means that Sonny is going to be the centre forward. He plays through the middle. Um, I can't really see Kuliseski being dropped. So then that's Brennan on the other side, which which means Richarlison drops down. Now, you know, at the final whistle at Burnley, he was right in my eye line and he just slumped to his haunches. And he just thought, this is not going to happen to me. And I think he's such a confidence player as well. So, you know, maybe there's a problem there. The transfer window overall, um, we've made some good signings, but I think we're a bit short on depth. If you look at what happened after the substitutions at Burnley, we we didn't look that great. Um, I don't really understand what the football philosophy is uh, from the top of the club. And I think I've been on record of saying I don't really think that they've had one for a few years, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that, that that football and winning on the pitch is necessarily uh, at the top of their list of things that they want to do. And, and and I think that this transfer window shows that. And I think also that you have to look at the fact that you know we're supposed to have been appointing this guy Scott Munn, who was going to kind of be the answer to lots of stuff and allow Daniel Levy to move back. And, you know whether he has interfered too much in the team or not. It is conjecture. Um, it depends who you talk to and which rumours you believe. But the theory was supposed to be, or the story was, that Scott Mum was coming in. He would kind of take over. There'd be a director of football working into him, and they, they would handle the football side. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> he hasn't showed up yet. Yeah. Well, he hasn't showed up because the, the business geniuses that run the club didn't read his contract properly, and they didn't read that he was on gardening leave and couldn't start until the second of September, which is after the transfer window closed. So it, you then have to say, well, if the person that you've got in to try and run your transfer strategy wasn't there. Um, what, what what was it that we did? Um, we've made some decent signings, and you know, Ange seems to be pretty pleased with them. But what else is he going to say? Yeah. Uh, and there are some encouraging signs there. You know, Mickey Van der Ven looks like looks a really good. good, you know, defender. With shades of a tongue about him, I think, yeah. in his style, I see, which is nice. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, the, the new goalkeeper, you know, who yeah. he'd written off after one game, you know, <laughs> he's, 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 he, you know has, has pulled off some pretty good plays and he looks decent. Yes. So it, yeah. It's not a disaster, but there's not really a lot of depth there. I think people are going to ask questions about, well, did you actually plan for Kane to go or not? People will be looking at it. You know, we apparently couldn't turn down 100 million for a 30 year old striker, but Liverpool can turn down 150 million for a 31 year old iconic striker. Um, but again, you know, what's the focus of each club? So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not downbeat and pessimistic, but I'm not overly excited either. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that there's, there's this kind of focus on, on the football side that a lot of us want to see. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that, Alex. There's, you know, when you look at. Uh, our problem area has been for a long time, obviously last season, the defence. We've got this Van der Ven. It seems to be Van der Ven and Romero together at the back. If one of those gets injured or suspended or whatever, 
You're then looking at Sanchez, who we believe they are trying to move on. There's talk of him maybe going to Galatasaray. Eric Dyer just hasn't been in the matchday squad at all. They've got this young kid, Phillips, from Blackburn Rovers, who's young but meant to be a prospect. Tanganga's gone out and loaned to a Bundesliga team. Uh, ben Davis has played centre-back and can play there. But you're kind of, you know, already you, you can hear them sort of clutching at straws here. For a team that wants to push forward, top four's got to be the challenge. Again, were a couple of injuries, and you start going, oh "God, this is, is you know looking a little bit dodgy." I've got nothing to add. You said it right on the money. Um, you know, a, a centre half was the key purchase, and it didn't come. Apart from that, um, they have reinforced the attack. Um, speed is the essence. Brennan Johnson is going to be a great asset there. Um, I. Uh, have a predilection for for the speedy wingers or speedy forwards. I wish Adama Traore had been a Spurs player. <laughs> and I, I wish uh, Alan Sixsmith, um, sorry, uh, Saint Mark yeah, Maximum, yeah, um, he's off the Saudi, isn't he? They yeah. are they are perfect Spurs players. Um, Brennan Johnson might fulfil my wish because he is fast. He got eight goals. Uh, last year from a, a side that was struggling. Yeah. Um, the rough edges need to be smoothed, but I think that he will be a great asset, but we're still missing a centre-half. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, look, let's go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, the wonderful new book that Alex and Martin have written, Still Dreaming, and don't worry, there'll be a link for you listeners to get a couple of quid off it as well. Back in a minute. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. And we're back for the break. Uh, don't forget for premium content, including a daily news show, ex-player interviews and original documentary series on Spurs, go to our patreon.com slash Spurs show. Support our show in the process. Brand new Spurs show merchandise. We've got the kangaroo on top of the cockerel logo, which I've just actually picked up, arrived at my house today. It's beautiful. Loads of other great eye-catching, comedic Spurs designs. Go and check them out. Link to uh, all of those in the description to this podcast. And our monthly London live shows return. Uh, I think the site might be down, but hopefully later tonight, season.spurshow.net will be up and running. And literally for very little a month, you can come to all our monthly live events. Our first one of the season, Wednesday, September the 27th. Uh, back again, we haven't had him for a few years, Gary Mab- Mabbott. Mr. Gary Mabbott joins us on September the 27th. 
Uh, Martin Lipton's also with us that night as well. Uh, we've got a handful of just tickets for that event. Again, check out the link uh, in the description to this pod if you want to come and meet Gary Mappert in a few weeks' time. Uh, don't forget our socials. Follow us on Facebook, X and Instagram. And uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a nice review. Uh, that really, really helps us. Right, um, Alex, we, we, we're going to talk about the, 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 the fascinating book, um, The Story of a Season, The Life of One of Premier League's Biggest Clubs, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, you and Martin follow the team through another season which promised came to nothing. Why is it that Spurs continually fail to take full advantage of opportunities presented by the modern game the club help create? I think that sums it up beautifully. Alex, uh, many Spurs fans will remember the other book uh, that you worked on, Dream On, which kind of looked at the kind of rivalry, the beginning of the Premier League between Tottenham and Arsenal. Why did you decide all these years on to kind of go down the same, same route? I think I passed to Martin. It was really, I thought there was an idea there mm. because Dream On had been such a good book, yeah. chronicling a mediocre season. Mm. And, and and it really owes its um, credit to Tony Fuller, H. Davidson, who were, was my co-author and much more than that. And sadly, he's no longer with us. Oh. So partly it's a tribute to him, oh, partly nice. because... Both of us, Martin and myself, felt that um, there may be something to dream about last season. Um, <laughs> dream turned into a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the idea that we're chronicling a season and we're not being hindsight experts, it does set the Tottenham story within the environment which it has to operate. So the Premier League and the Champions League. But Martin can tell you a little more because I think he was quite uh, the driving force behind why it happened. OK, Martin, I mean, obviously, you know, we were all at that extraordinary night. Uh, I, I still call it the lane. Sorry. Uh, extraordinary night at the lane when we absolutely blew apart our rivals, the Woolwich Wanderers, that midweek game 3 nil. We all were so excited about the next season. The, the signings came in. And I think we kind of started relatively well, uh, result-wise anyway. And then the whole thing turned to shit. It really, it really did. One of the worst seasons I can remember. And boy, you know, we, we, we went to a lot of the sort of mid-90s seasons. Um, when you were doing this book with Alex, you know, obviously you, you had these high hopes, but... I suppose another kind of book came out of all this, probably from what, you know, you, you kind of originally set out to hopefully chronicle. Yeah, I mean, Alex has been very kind there. He, he kind of twisted my arm and said, you know, I think we should do this. And I said, do, do people want to read anything more? But what, what we tried to do with this book um, was was to kind of do the same thing that, that, that Tony and Alex had done in the first book, which was to write it month by month. And so what we hoped that we'd get across is that is the way that your your kind of views and your expectations change. It's very easy to be wise after the event. Uh, and looking back now, you kind of, you know, you can read some of the book and think, like, did they really think that then? But that's what we think at the time. So as Alex alluded to earlier, there was a stage when we, a lot of us said, well, you know, not entirely convinced about Conte's style of football, but you know what, this might be the right thing for us. And, and you know, it could be working. Uh, and, and we had some great results, as, as, you, as you said as well. 
So that that's part of what we wanted to do is try and get across this idea of how the kind of expectations and the views change as the season goes on. And that that's part of the, the kind of cyclical up and down of football, isn't it? And, and why we like it. I mean, it, it, you know, it would be nice to win everything for a little while, but I think it would get a bit boring in the end. So, uh, and you see, I always go back to the old Dave Lance flower quote, you know, I don't know what the result's going to be. That's why they're playing the game. Uh, and that's so good about it. it it's, it's the unexpected. Um, so we, we tried to do that, and we also wanted to catch up a little bit. That that, that Dream On was written in, in 1996, as you said, and it was early days of, of of the Premier League. And in the introduction to this one, uh, we say that Dream On reads now like a chronicle of a club losing touch with the modern world. And I think the point that, that Tony and Alex made then was that Spurs were one of the original big six that had been in favour of, of setting up the Premier League, and Alex was was quite involved with talking to the FA at the time about, about those plans, and they, they took some of Alex's ideas on board and, and others they didn't, which I'm sure Alex would, would, would tell you a bit more about uh, if, if you ask him. But already at that stage, it was, well, Spurs aren't really making the most of the opportunity they've created. Now, you know, we've stayed in the Premier League uh, and arguably over the last 15 years, you know, we've established ourselves much more uh, in the upper echelons. We kind of dipped out of being a, a kind of top five or six club for a while, I think under Alan Sugar especially, and then we seem to get our mojo back. And, you know, remember all those years ago when Enoch were the Sears and, and uh, they were going to they were going to take us into the promised land. So we wanted to kind of do a similar thing. And I think there's a similar thread that runs through this is that, that you know, Spurs you know, they're big in lots of ways. They've got the history, they've got the stadium or whatever, but they're not really taking advantage uh, of, of what's in front of them. And I think that that's a continual frustration. And I think, you know, the story last season was 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 probably, a, you know, it's kind of fairly iconic that you had one of the most famous managers in the world. You had this kind of desperation to succeed. This, you know, maybe maybe we're going to do it even in the way that we, we're not quite sure is going to be great, but, you know, maybe we'll do something. We just want success at any cost, and then and then that didn't really pay off. And I think again, you know, what it's more of a personal opinion, but I'd always say that a, a manager needs to understand that the the, the soul club, the mm. DNA to to quote, I think somebody connected with the club once mentioned that DNA, didn't they, fairly yes, recently? That's right. um, uh, but but I think that's true. If you look at what happened at Manchester United with Mourinho, uh, the, the mess that he left behind there, the mess he left behind with us as well. What we've got now. You know, it would be great to be writing this book this year to, to go on that journey with with Ange because he does seem to understand that side of it. But uh, it, it's 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 a you know it's a tough sell. A book about last season. A lot of Spurs fans are going to go, no, thanks well, very much. But yeah, but it's important to say it, it's not just that. It's not just yeah. yes, it chronicles the season and some of it. I have to say is a depressing read because I was there. Yeah, I've had to relive some of those games. Yeah, but what you've got in the book is this kind of kind of potted history of the, 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 the launch of the Premier League, how things have changed. As you said, how Tottenham were really part of those conversations early on. And the opportunity we've kind of missed, as you just said, to be absolutely up there. Alex, I want to ask you, as to me, it was always a frustration as a Spurs fan. We mentioned Alan Sugar there at the beginning of the, 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 the you were part of this launch of the Premier League. I never understood, maybe you might know this, I never understood why Alan Sugar, who was so part of the hardware of television with his uh, satellite dishes that he manufactured for Sky, who pumped all this money into football, that he didn't have the foresight then to go, this is going to be absolutely huge and therefore, I'm going to invest more money in my club so we're absolutely up there from the beginning. The famous story of Dennis Bergkamp 
uh, wanting to come to Tottenham, Sugar deciding not and going for Crystal Palace's Chris Armstrong instead. The kind of sliding doors moment between Tottenham and Arsenal, uh, one could argue. What are your memories of those early days and these early conversations? And is it fair what I say about Sugar or was there other reasons going on that maybe I just don't know about? No, no, it is fair what you say um, because he wasn't a football man. He certainly wasn't really a Tottenham man. It was his brother who was a Tottenham fan. Um, it is rumoured, um, uh, the person who, who puts this rumour about uh, says that he certainly heard him say this when uh, Sugar is report, reported to have said, double, double, what's all this double they're going, away, going on about? They're always going on about the double. What is it? So he didn't really understand the nature of the club that he was uh, buying. Um, although to give him credit, um, when he took over, he said, I will look after the 10 million at the bank and Terry Venables will look after the 11 players on the field. And Terry Venables never wanted to do that. Terry Venables wanted to be a chairman. He didn't want to be a manager anymore. So it was the wrong chairman because he didn't understand the history and tradition of the club he was taking over, and certainly uh, the wrong manager, because the manager didn't want to manage. Um, echoes of uh, Antonio Conte. Uh, Venables was a, a great manager, but not for a club, because he couldn't raise his game like his good friend George Graham 38 times in a season. Venables was a perfect England manager because he could raise his game half a dozen times in the season. But he did it at Barcelona, didn't he? He did it at Barcelona, and that's why he arrived at Tottenham. Because um, th there is a story in the book, and forgive me because it, it might reflect well on me. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I put that to one side, but I was advising Tottenham at the time. So I had the privilege because um, they were a very welcoming club. Arsenal and Tottenham were the class clubs. What they did was to behave with a degree of class. Arsenal, for their side, always um, welcomed the guests into the boardroom, so much so that they even painted, if necessary, the flowers in the boardroom in the visiting team colours. Um, Tottenham under Irving Scholar, and whilst um, Douglas Alexio and Tony Berry were still there under the Sugar regime, were an exceptionally welcoming club. Um, the, the boardroom at Tottenham was a place for friends, family, scouts of opposing clubs. Um, so it, it was a very different scenario than what we see today. Um, with regard to why Sugar didn't understand, it was because he wouldn't allow himself to be challenged. A case in point is that he didn't want to bring Jurgen Klinsmann back. And, and when um, he was, I think, outvoted in a board meeting, um, and Douglas Alexio and Tony Berry, who understood the Tottenham culture, pressed for the return of Klinsmann, which was ultimately successful. He saved... Tottenham from relegation with a, a you know that wonderful game against uh, Wimbledon where he got four goals in a 6-2 victory and Sugar didn't want them to go back he was also a bad loser so for their pains for Messrs Alexio and Berry for saving them from relegation by bringing Sugar back they lost their places on the board 
Um, so it, sugar is a good businessman, but football is very different from other businesses. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I'm afraid that when it comes down to it, he took advice from the wrong people if he took any advice at all. Yeah, um, Martin, I mean, you know, again, uh, what's also interesting about the book is that, you know, rather like Alex there being advising Tottenham around that sort of early Premier League, you have obviously been working, I wouldn't say with, unfortunately, many against uh, because of the way they, the, I think they've, dealt with the supporters trust but you've been working very closely with the club as co-chair I know you're not doing it anymore but for many years as co-chair of the Tottenham Hotspur supporters trust do you think that gave you a, a, a different perspective uh, in, in writing this book because you know you've had your good times with them and they've listened to you and successes and obviously the last recent years a lot of bad times when they clearly have not listened to, to the trust. Do you think that affected the way you, you saw this book? Um, I, I think stepping down enabled me to, to speak more freely, although people okay. always, you know, one of the criticisms I always get is that, you know, you never really spoke up at the time. And it, it's it's a different it's a different it relationship, but they, they don't really give much away, the board. And I think that, that uh, you know, some of them will tell you that they're, they're all in favour of talking to the fans, but I think that their idea in the end is not too different to the idea that, that most people that have been in charge of football clubs have always had, which is that basically just let us get on with it and, you know, just pay, pay us the money and come and support the team and, and that's it and don't bother us about anything else. So um, I, I don't I don't think, you know, we we, we had meetings. I've sat across a boardroom table with, with some of the executive board and we've we've had conversations and we've had arguments. Uh, and I did that with, with, with my colleagues on, on the trust board at the time as well. Um, I, I don't particularly like the way they approach a lot of things. I don't think that's any secret. And I think I said that at the time. I think we're different sorts of people. Um, I don't think that the class that Alex mentioned is there anymore. Some people say, well, you know, that's a bit of a kind of romantic old-fashioned notion. You've got to be fairly hard-headed in business. And I think you have got to be hard-headed in business, but I also think that you've got to build relationships. And I think one of the things that the current board forgets to do uh, is to build relationships. So, you know, you know, you can get one over on somebody by, by you know, sort of like, you know, turning them over on a deal or whatever, or kind of really getting the better of them. But then you're not going to do it again. Uh, and I think it's 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 about finding a balance, isn't it, as well? Uh, but they would say, well, you know, what do you, you know, we're in charge of a multi-million pound business and, and you're you're not, you're just a fan. So um, I think, you know, that that's that's the way of it. But that's, you know, Sugar wasn't particularly prepared to to listen to the fans. He he actively <laughs> kept the fans out. One of the arguments now is that, you know, maybe they play the game a little bit better. Um, I'm not particularly impressed with what they've done with the fan advisory board, and I'm not impressed with the way that they, they've treated the trust over the years, over the last few years as well. But I said I'm not I'm not really involved in the kind of decision making side of the things anymore. So, you know, it was time for somebody else to take over. But it, interesting going back to what Alex was saying because he kind of, you know, one of one of the reasons that uh, that the, the managerial side went the, the way it did was that at the time Scholar was was fairly obsessed with Venables because of his his success at Barcelona, but I think that Alex when he when he talked about the hospitality in the boardroom, somebody he used to visit Spurs quite a lot and actually had quite a liking for the way they played football was a guy who was managing in France called Arsene Wenger. And I think uh, Alex uh, spoke to the board at the time and said this guy would make quite a good manager for Spurs. And 
and uh, the story of why that didn't come off uh, is in the book. But you mentioned sliding doors moments, and I'm sure there'll be people throwing up their hands out there as well at the moment. But other <laughs> people might be going, "Well, actually, <laughs> that could have been very interesting." But you know, we've missed out on a couple of of pretty big names. Uh, and again, you know, who knows what decisions we would have made if we were in charge? But it's an intriguing prospect, isn't it? Arsene Wenger as Spurs manager. Yeah. Well, look, we're running out of time, but but it, it, it's a fascinating book. And as I said before, uh, there is a way of getting two pounds off the book. Uh, the link is in the description to the podcast. It's uh, it's just come out today, published by Hawksmoor Publishing, follows on for the 96 book we said, Dream On, which uh, 442 said is a football classic. And this really is an essential read because it, it really... As well as looking back at a season, which I think most of us want to forget, it really does have, uh, I think, a balanced analysis of how the club has been run in the last 20 years by two people who have seen very, very close hand how it has been run. Uh, And I'm sure there's many things, Alex, you kind of maybe wanted to put in the book, but thought maybe they might be slightly libelous. Was anything, any kind of nuggets you thought, oh, I, I, better, I, I can't mention that conversation I had all those years ago? Or was pretty much everything in there in, is, is in the book, would you say? I do, I do mention a conversation I had with uh, Daniel Leadley, um, which was surprising um, and, and does actually answer some of the, uh, the questions that many fans have criticised the chairman for. Um, also, uh, Martin alluded to the fact that um, Arsene Wenger could have been the Tottenham manager. Well, so could Alex Ferguson. And we tell that story as well in the book. Um, I, I, th- I think um, it, it's a tale that should be told. The only problem is that we've got to look forward. Um, and the most important thing is that uh, the Tottenham ethos, the way that Tottenham play, is being practiced now. And we do end the book on a good note because we do welcome the arrival of Ange Postecoglou, and we do suggest that um, Tottenham fans should be patient because historically it's taken his team some time to settle down to his new methods. So Tottenham are bucking the trend at the moment, but let's see, let's get past the North London derby first. Um, and, and that is a hurdle. And I expect even if we lose that, um, you know, Tottenham will come good. This will be a season for Tottenham fans. As the fans say, in terms of a chant, they all have their club back. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, you know, all our Spurs fans out there listening here, you know, we are, despite what other outsiders might say, we are a patient lot. Uh, we don't have that kind of entitlement that certain uh, clubs down the road fans have. And many other fans. Uh, and I'd just like to add at the moment, we talk about club. I'm now a director of a football club. I'm now director of a club in Portugal called O Elvash, E-L-V-A-S, in the Alentejo region. We're in the fourth tier of Portuguese football. And again, there's a link in the description to the podcast. You could really help us out by becoming a member. Uh, and uh, if you ever in, in Portugal come over as my guest and enjoy the wonderful Portuguese hospitality. Well, if you uh, so going... helpful and uh, pragmatic supporters trust uh, kind of co-chair or something to, to help you out there, Mike, then... Yeah, well, well you're, 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 more the package, right? the you're more than welcome to, to, to come out. It's uh, wonderful hospitality, very, very cheap, let me tell you. <laughs> and it's uh, very, very nice football. It's nice to be part of sort of, I wouldn't say grassroots level, because it's... Uh, fourth tier but uh, it's, it's very interesting it's not, it's fun and again you kind of forget as fans 
we, we follow this game because we love it. Sadly, there's lots of people who come into the game from a business point of view who are in it purely for the business and don't love it and have no interest in football, don't get it, never want to get it. It's all about making money. And it's just, as us fans, you just have to deal with that and accept that that's the way it is. Frustrating, though, as God, as a Spurs fan, it really is because we've all seen over the years, in the last 20 years, the missed opportunities of this team kicking on. And I don't care what certain people say, the investment has not been channeled at the, at the right time, in the right direction. Uh, and that's, as a fan, it's very frustrating because at the end of the day, there's nothing we can do uh, with, um, you can protest and there's nothing wrong in that. But, uh, you know, they're the owners or custodians, as they like to say, uh, of our wonderful football club. And uh, let's hope, I sincerely hope uh, they've got this appointment right. They've got Pochettino right. Didn't really back him, in my opinion, at the right time. Let's hope they've got Postacoglu right. And uh, this season, all our Spurs fans seen some wonderful football because, boy, we deserve, as Tottenham fans, to see the wonderful football that we've a lot of us have grown up on. And uh, uh, it's, it's part of who we are, really. So anyway, right. Alex, go on. You want right, can to... I just say, Please uh, do. picking up on the point you've made, um, you know, that's one good reason why the book should be read. Mm. Because on, on every page, it, it recognises what being a Tottenham fan is. Yeah. Of course, one would like to have written about success, mm. but there are many reasons why success didn't come. Um, and we point up how the opportunities were missed and why... They were missed primarily because the people in charge did not understand the privilege of the custodianship of that wonderful club. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. It's lovely to see you looking so well. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll get you on uh, later on the season. Martin, thank you very much. Lovely to see you as well. Thank you again a pleasure. Uh, for coming on the show and talking about this wonderful book. Go and check it out. Still dreaming. Another year in the life of a Premier League club. Click on the link to the description. Buy the book. You're getting it for two quid off. It's a lovely book. It's a paperback. I read it in one sitting. Uh, highly recommended. And if anything, if this season's good, you can read the book and go, oh my God, look what we've look where we've come from. We've achieved this, hopefully, with a, a really exciting set of players. That's it. We'll be back next week. Our special guests, Darren Rockman and Robert Eason. Always a fiery show when they're on. Uh, don't forget, you'll mock Robert Eason, but he was the guest uh, at the end of last season who said, Harry Kane will leave. And we said, you're kidding me. And he said, trust me, this board will not let an asset go if they can get 100 million for a 30-year-old. We poo-pooed him. And he was right. So uh, they did decide to sell uh, our asset for the money. Uh, so that's next week. Uh, until then, come on, you Spurs. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.